Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, alongside me, Steve Harmison. Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison for another packed show. We'll discuss England's squad for the upcoming T20 World Cup. Jason Roy misses out, but what could Johnny Bairstow's freak injury mean at the top of the order? Another place in the squad becomes available. Could it be earmarked for Alex Hales? We think probably not. We'll hear from Managing Director of England Men's Cricket, Rob Key. As well as that, we'll reflect on finals day at the 100 as the Trent Rockets beat the Manchester Originals at Lords, and we'll be joined live by Rockets head coach Andy Flower. We'll also look ahead to this week's deciding test between England and South Africa at the Oval. So, as usual, plenty to come in the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I mean, it's not often that uh, we headline the programme with an injury, but jeepers, um, what a surprise, what a shock that was when we saw that Johnny Bairstow had been ruled out of the T20 World Cup and could be out for as long as, uh, well, up to a year, um, we're hearing. And um, you know what? Apart from Johnny himself, the first person I thought of was you, playing golf. How could he injure himself so badly playing golf? Uh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's such a must be in a freak, freak accident. And I know by my my movements on a golf course, I don't move fast enough to break anything. On a and honestly, no. I was like, how on earth have you done that? So he's he's obviously at a freak accident. But what it, but what are the ramifications of it is is yes, as much as we're, we're taking the Mickey out of it, it's huge for English cricket because the boys in ridiculous form in Test matches with a World Cup. On the horizon, he's a key component in the sort of England getting off to good starts. He bats well in sort of Australian conditions. Um, when it comes to sort of in one-day cricket, being able to sort of you know hit the ball, he's a very, very clean striker of the ball, plays well at sort of cross-bat shots, and you need a lot of cross-bat shots in, in obviously on the bouncy pitches of Australia when it comes to the T20 World Cup. I feel so sorry for Johnny because... 
Johnny's been kicked around a bit in the course of the last four or five years from England's point of view. He's been shunted up and down the order. He's had the gloves on and gloves off and done the hokey-cokey bat four times and inside this England team. And when he feels, when he probably feels as though this is him set, he's settled, he's got a clear plan of where his game is in this, in this role of red and white ball teams. An accident, a freak accident comes along and 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 obviously just kicks him in the teeth a little bit. So look, it's it's huge for England. It's huge for Johnny, and it's disappointing for England fans that we're not going to see Johnny in in the big tournament. I just uh, remember I once had six weeks of physiotherapy after injuring my neck so badly cleaning my teeth. So um, the uh, obviously it was a slippery tea on the golf course that uh, he was heading to. Let's remind ourselves when we talk about replacements of what Rob Key said at the time he announced the squad of the non-inclusion of Alex Hales. It's never been an issue really as far as it's concerned. We were able to just debate it in terms of form. And, and look, I spoke to Alex Hales. He rang me actually. And, you know, he, he argued why he wasn't there. And I think quite right too. You know, I much prefer when these people pick up the phone and say, come on then, why wasn't I there? Um, I have a huge amount of respect for that as opposed to people who sort of go behind the scenes moaning about why they've not been picked for something. Um, and it was, you know, you, you look, it's just an unfortunate time where there's a hell of a lot of very good players. People always say it's good problems to have, but it's not straightforward on who you pick as as, as a batter in this uh, in this format in white ball cricket because there's so many different options. There's a lot of people that have also missed out that quite rightly could have said, how come I'm not there? Well, um, it was interesting at the time, and it remains interesting. Um, Phil Salt maybe uh, will be promoted up the order to, to open. Um, there's James Vince and Will Jacks. I can say this, Harmy, um, and you might have to be a bit more delicate, but it seems to me, for whatever reason, that there is actually a moratorium. There's a veto on Alex Hales, um, and I know that uh, there was no chance of him returning to play for England when Owen Morgan was captain. But uh, it just seems to me that a line has been drawn um, in indelible ink. Yeah, I think there is. And Keezy can say, you know, that everybody can have a period where they've served their time. But I just think with Alex, it's gone too far. For some reason, there's something in there that England don't want him, ECB don't want him around. Whether there's more stuff to come out, they are reluctant to pick Alex Hills. And if they didn't pick him in this squad, when Jason Roy was, when they decided that Jason Roy wasn't going to be um, selected for the World Cup and it wasn't Alex Hills, for me, that's the end history he's gone there is that line through it is that the right thing is it the wrong thing ability no question whatsoever we talked last week about Ollie Robinson no question whatsoever that Alex Hills has got the ability to play at the top of the order for England but there's a package and there's a package you have to have and fitting into a group fitting into a team working with the unit and sometimes it's not just ability alone that gets it it makes that package something you want to have around. And now Phil Salt will probably open a baton. And would Alex Hills be, would you want somebody like Alex Hills sitting on the sideline if you really believe that he wasn't the band that you, you that England have had without him for the last four or five years? There's a reason why, three or four years, there's a reason why. And I think that reason is still there, no matter what Rob Key or anybody else says. I think it's still hanging over the ECB, still hanging over um, the selection panel. And, yeah, look, I back the way England have picked their teams over the course of the last couple of years because they've been successful. I think it's it's freak, obviously, that Besto is is obviously injured and timing wasn't quite right. But for me, I back the selection unit to, to go without Alex Hills 
Um, Phil Salt goes in at the top of the order. And for me, Will Jacks would come into the to reckon in to replace Johnny Besto as that middle order potential opening batsman. Um, if something happened to somebody that uh, in in the World Cup loss of form or an injury, let's just remind ourselves of what uh, what Key said about the omission of Jason Roy. It just leaves him in a place where he just has to go and find form. To be honest, it's not a good time to to lose form in this format. And it's the game's about confidence as much as anything else. If he finds that again, he he too is one of the best openers around in this when he's playing well and at the top of his game. So I don't see in any stretch that this is his. T20 career over it's just a case of him finding form and I'm sure he'll have plenty of opportunities and to find that form again I certainly don't think the age that he is that this is the end of Jason Roy and we still see him actually in the 50 over format I would argue is his strongest suit so we still see him as very much a part of that setup it's just in this at the moment from the white ball series we had then going into the 100 as well uh, we feel it's too much of a gamble to continue uh, going into Pakistan and then straight into Australia, where the team that goes to that or the squad that goes to that World Cup uh, will then go straight to Australia from there. In a moment, uh, Harmi, I want to ask you about Mark Wood and Chris Wokes. But on those comments about Rob Key, I'm reminded of a of a, a statement that he made quite early in his tenure, um, which I found very impressive. And he said, I am not a man who's afraid to change his mind. I think if you make a decision one day and you decide that it's the, or you realise it's the wrong decision the next day, then you should be man enough to say, I got it wrong. I've changed my mind. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. And I, I think that, you know, Rob Key doesn't care if he looks like he's got egg on his face as long as he's making the right decision. And I can actually see him saying, we didn't think it was a gamble worth taking when Johnny Bairstow was fit. I've changed my mind. Jason Roy is a proven match winner. He's had a horrible slump in form. We just felt that there was nothing to cling to amongst the rubble, not a 50. <laughs> he just looked so out of form. But if he just said, you know what, the situation has changed and we we're, we are now prepared to gamble on Jason Roy finding his form and filling the Johnny Bairstow hole. Yeah, I've got no doubt Keezy would do that. I've got no doubt that he would... He's not bothered about what others outside him think. If the right decision needs to be made and he's already said that he would change his mind, then I, I don't think Rob would have any um, any problem turning around and saying, well, it was such a tight call that we didn't, we are not taking Jason. And it, it must have been a tight call. It must have been a ridiculously difficult decision not to take Jason Roy. One of the best white ball opening batters of the last four or five years in world cricket. Yeah, no bowler wanted a bowl at Jason Roy you know, when he was on song. And unfortunately, he hasn't he, he hasn't got the numbers he, he, he would like over the course of the last sort of 12 months. But big tournaments, big players, they do stand up. And I, I wouldn't have had a problem either way, whether they picked Roy or they didn't pick Roy. So for me, if it was now, needs must. I mentioned before, go with Will Jacks. Will Salt is, is probably going to be a shoe-in in the team. Do you then say, right, Roy's on, Roy's on the plane to Pakistan? because obviously there's a couple of people being rested. Roy takes the plane to Pakistan and he now, he's in a shootout with who is going to is going to go and open the bat. If Kesey said that, it wouldn't surprise me. If it happened, it wouldn't bother me. I would say, yeah, not a problem. He's a proven match winner. And also from Jason's point of view, he's actually been dropped. He's actually, you know, the, the, the realisation is I've lost my place. I am not going to the World Cup to then have the carrot dangled in front of you to say, right, go to Pakistan, go and get some runs. Because if, if you belt your way into a bit of form, there's no doubt I'm going to pick you because you are a, 
you're, you're a proven matchman. So maybe it's the psychological sort of edge of that might be something that the ECB selectors might want to look at and say, Do you know what, we might need Roy. We might just need Roy in Australia now, Bairstow's injured. Have we given him the kick in the backside? Have we given him the jolt that you know, he's not at rock bottom because I don't think he is at rock bottom. He just needs to you know, score a few runs. His fielding was fine. His character was fine. He was probably in the field. But at the end of the day, the end product wasn't there. He maybe, he maybe he's had that now and a plane ticket to Pakistan, not an audition, but to try and get himself into some form to go to Australia to replace Besto might not be a bad thing now. And if means egg on your face, if that's what egg on your face is for Rob Key, I'm sure Keezy will be quite happy with it. Exactly. And just very quickly then, Wood and Wokes haven't played since March, been out injured uh, for much of the season. They are going to Pakistan, so it's not like they've been, they're going to be going to the World Cup cold. But I do think that three or four years ago, we would have uh, looked at those two selections and said, gee, that's a bit of a gamble. But <laughs> the world's changed in the last couple of years. Um, and now, rather than saying they might be a bit short of cricket, we look at those two names and think, that, well, they're going to be nicely, nice and fresh and rested. <laughs> Wokes worries me more than Wood. Wood's been in this position millions of times. He has literally, from an injury, gone straight into international cricket and bowled 90 mile an hour. He does that all the time. He did it in the Caribbean when we were commentating there a few years ago. Um, so he's used to that. I think Chris Wokes is a little bit more, I think he's more of a thoroughbred that needs a little bit more of a gallop before he gets into the, the big stage. And hopefully Pakistan, he will not so much get him you know, the four overs that he needs to get going, but... I would hope he does a lot of bowling in between time to make sure he's ready for Australia because I think it is a gamble to take two bowlers who haven't been playing for a year, nearly a year to a world tournament and expect them to just fire straight away. But at the end of the day, needs must. And I think there are two very, very good players that I would gamble on to make sure that you know, if, if we need them, then obviously they're there. Wood, don't have a problem with. Wilkes, I think, probably needs a few more overs than Woody to get himself up to speed, ready for Australia in the World Cup. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. We're talking about the 2022 100 finals day. Trent Rockets beating the Manchester Originals by two wickets in uh, in a nail-bite, and one of the rare close games. So appropriate that it was at the at the final at Lords, but it wasn't a great playing surface, to be honest. And we do often say about T20 uh, cricket or 16.4 over cricket that uh, a good low-scoring game can be just as exciting, if not more exciting, than uh, than a high-scoring boundary-laden affair. But it's Lords; they play hundreds of games of cricket, and it's in September. So, what do you expect? You're not going to get a belter of a pitch unless you're lucky. No, and that's the, that's for me. That sums a hundred up this year. It really did. The pitch was poor. Top score was 26. You know, this is our this is our flagship tournament. The top score was 26. I'm sorry. You can't convince me. And as much as I keep banging on about it in 2020, you've got we've got to be playing franchise 2020. I mean, we've got to stop this before it, it, it really does get silly and we become a laughing stock. We have had a competition with not many close games. Then we get a close final. And we've got a top score of 26. The next best score is 21. A team won a, a team won a major franchise tournament. Arguably, what the ECB say, we want it to be the second best tournament behind the IPL. And we had a game where the team that won, nobody scored more than 20. I'm sorry, that's not that's not a flagship tournament. It wasn't a great spectacle. 
until the last sort of four or five balls. It wasn't a great spectacle. And look, I, I, we've been knocking the 100, and I keep knocking the 100, and I'll never be convinced by it until it goes back to 2020. But we've come down to a, a tournament which has been, over the course of a month, which has had huge ramifications on this country's cricket around all red and white ball tournaments. International cricket, it's had a, I think it's had a, an effect on that. Crowds haven't been as good as what they were last year. The viewing figures weren't as good as what they were last year. And the ECB PR machine can say what they want. It wasn't as good. It hasn't been as, as successful, successful as what it probably should have been. So now it's time to change. It's time to go back to 2020 because we've had a final at Lords, decent crowd, full crowd, and the team chased 121 or whatever it was. And nobody got more than 20. I'm sorry. That's not good cricket. It's not good cricket. We talk about cricket being it's the same. Somebody hits it, somebody bowls it, and somebody fetches it. Cricket will never ever change in my eyes, no matter whether you play 100, whether you play 20 overs, 50 overs, or a test match. What you want, you want to see the best playing against the best, which we've got, and we want to see players playing on good surfaces, and we haven't had that. So it's, it's a rethink, and I think somebody... We've talked about Rob Key not being and being man enough and saying, right, I'll, I'll change my opinion if, if it's the right thing. I don't mind saying I was wrong. ECB, come on. You've got to say that this is not right. You've got to say that this is not right. There are nearly, there's a lot of people in this country have, have said that who have got half a cricket brain. Is it working? I don't think it is. I really don't. And I think the final proved that. Okay, um, just to say that uh, crowd figures um, and the way that they have been measured have been the subject of some debate uh, and some, I don't know, little, little controversy uh, perhaps even. Um, but um, I think it's generally accepted that uh, crowds are up, uh, have been up um, for the women's games. And I, as we were said all last summer um, during the 100 and this year again, it's brilliant um, for the women's game. And, and you know, the the Oval Invincibles beat the Southern Brave to retain their title um, in front of a record crowd of 20,840. Um, Anya Shrubsalt said afterwards that uh, the standard of the women's 100 is only going to get better. With the addition, I guess, of the Australians and the, the Kiwis as overseas players, that's kind of ramped it up. But you're also seeing domestic players who have had the best part of a year of being of being fully paid professional cricketers. The kind of performances you look at someone like Georgia Adams for us, how well she's performed, um, and that's off the back of having a year as a professional cricketer. It's, it's no surprise that, that they're getting better. So I just think this tournament's just going to keep growing year on year. And, uh, and I hope it does, uh, and it has been brilliant. Interesting little situation at the Oval Invincibles, actually, um, because in uh, last year there were three overseas players and three overseas slots in the starting eleven. This year it was four. The Oval Invincibles bought um, the great Susie Bates um, as their wildcard international player, and so suddenly they had to pick between uh, so Marizan Cap, the best all-rounder in, in the women's game, uh, and Susie Bates... Um, it was very, very tough. So in the end, Darnay van Niekerk, the South African captain, was left. She only played in three of the games. Marizan Kapp, who is Darnay's wife, said that she didn't think that was uh, handled very well. But I think it is. I think it's a good thing, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, it uh, creates a little bit of competition amongst the overseas players. And that also has to ultimately be good for the women's game. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've got to look at the two competitions and separate them in a, in a huge way. The women's game has been an ultimate success. It's been a ridiculous success from the 100 competition. 
would it be any better by playing 2020? Possibly yes, possibly no. But I think the other difference is the, the women's game needed the 100 to um, raise the profile and raise the standard of, of women's cricket, and it's done that. Um, having competition like that, having four overseas and you can only pick from three, and if you've got a few quid and you you actually invest it wisely because you know you, all the teams have got the similar, similar amounts of money, you just got to look at the Welsh Fire and how badly they've had, they've sort of spent their money in the men's side of it to the women's side of it, the way the Oval have spent their money to get themselves in a position to be a, a real force. And you're right, if you've got competition between four of your overseas for only three slots, it only raises the standard of your team, but also raises the standard of the cricket that's been played throughout the competition. So, yes, I think it's been a huge success but um, I think we have to look at it in a separate way. It's been a huge success for the women's game because the women's game needed it. I think the men's game has been a disappointment because I, I think we tried to sort of cover too many bases to get a franchise competition, and I think we got it horribly wrong. Shabnam Ismail, by the way, is the other, um, the fourth overseas player, and she played in all seven games, a South African fast bowler. Um, so, yeah, Invincible's just very, very strong. Uh, going back to the men's tournament for just a moment, the number of big players, Rob Key has obviously spoken, um, and all the ECB administrators have spoken about strength versus strength. It's funny how, you know, one single player who's not necessarily a, a massive name, um, Tabrez Shamsi was actually and is still in top five T20 bowlers um, rankings, and he was the, the world's number one. But... Given the number of high-profile players who, who left early um, or he sat out the entire 100 tournament and then suddenly on the verge of the final, <laughs> Tabrez Shamsi says, I'm not interested in playing at Lords. I'm going to Guyana to play for the Guyana Amazon Warriors. I want to play in the first game of the Caribbean Premier League. I'm sure that he didn't mean uh, to create quite the backlash that he did, but it wasn't the vote of confidence that the 100 and the ECB were looking for, was it? No, it definitely wasn't. And I think that sums it up as well as the pitch and Shamsi saying, look, there's more money in, in, in the Caribbean for me. Again, it's just another kick in the teeth to the ECB. And when they sit down eventually and go through a few changes, I'm sure some of the overseas coaches will be, will be putting their recommendations in for next year. It's another, it's another kick for, for the ECB that one of their top overseas stars, when he got him across here and he signed a contract to say, uh, even though the Caribbean Premier League start and you sign this contract, you stay for the full duration. And obviously somebody hasn't done the paperwork right because he's toddled off to Guyana to play in, in the CPL, which, again, another one that the ECB will, will, be, uh, will be questioned Questioned about, but you talk about the likes of of Shamsi, the other top players, top stars. These are the ones that we want to attract to this country because he is, as much as he's not a huge name, he, he's a fantastic performer in in the shortest format of the game. But I still think, and I'll go back right to the very very start. Talk about dressing rooms and talk about sport being and society being a flock of sheep. Well, the biggest sheep in, in international cricket in, in this country is Ben Stokes. And I think his um, relationship with the ECB, I don't think it's the greatest. And I think when he pulled out, when Ben Stokes decided he wasn't going to play in the 100 this year, that was the turn. That was the start of all the negativity and everything. And even from the players' point of view, players' mindsets of it. 
was always negative, negative, because then Besto pulled out and one or two others, and it was like, and it came from the top. Ben Stokes decided that he wasn't going to play in the 100, because not only did he not need it, does, does he rate it? Does he think it's any good? Was it the right thing for him to do? But if the ECB PR machine want to get better in the future, make sure that if they're signing top stars, make sure they play. And if they don't want to play, there's a reason why. Okay, just quickly on changes. Um, I think the most obvious one to me is is the, the Welsh fire problem. Um, you know, disband the Welsh fire, I, I'm afraid to say. Be, create the Western Warriors, play a couple of games in Bristol and, and Taunton. Uh, or if you're going to keep the Welsh fire, for goodness sake, have some Glamorgan players, have some Welsh players, and there are plenty there. You cannot ignore the geographical significance of the squad mm. composition. You, you absolutely cannot. Um, before I get your thoughts on that, here's Simon Kadditch, the Manchester Originals coach, with a few suggested changes of his own. It's not an excuse, but it, it, our boys just look tired tonight, particularly with the bat. Um, you know, we didn't string partnerships together, and we've done that really well all tournament. And we just it probably affected our decision making in the end. And it, it is tough because you get in at sort of one one thirty. It's hard to sleep straight away because the adrenaline's buzzing after a game like we had last night. Uh, and then you've got to back up again straight away. So, look, credit to our boys. I thought they were magnificent in, in what they were able to do, in, even with that. Um, and we gave ourselves a chance to win it. But it's something that probably has to be looked at. And potentially even the home team, the team that finishes top, deserves to probably host it um, and have that home ground advantage. Um, you know, had, had London Spirit got through last night, they're basically playing at home in the final, which, I mean, Lords is, I'm not, yeah, I think it's a very special place to play a final, don't get me wrong. Um, but that's something that might be discussed down the track, whether second place gets to host the final uh, in the Eliminator and then whether the top team gets to host at home as well. I've just been told by our producer, Scott Taylor, that uh, my, that I shouldn't take credit for the Western Warriors suggestion. Apparently that uh, has been floating around. It may come from Michael Vaughan initially. I don't know where I, I first saw it, but it does seem to make sense. I'm not claiming it. It's not my, not my idea. I agree. Western Warriors. Geographically, I think a, a team in the northeast would be a good side, would be backed and would be popular up in, up in the sort of Durham region. And bring in, bring fans in from Scotland. I agree with Simon Cottage. There's things that need to be changed. I don't think you can take the final away from Lords because I don't think you can you can say on a whim that the team that's won it. I think there's a lot of planning from the the sponsors. The yeah, the selling out of Lords is done way way before the tournament even starts. Rather than just saying right, you've got a week to prepare to get the ground ready to have this final. I don't think you can do that. The final has to be at Lords. I just think that possibly the eliminator could be at Lords as well. I think instead of going from the Aegeus Bowl all the way across and you choose whichever way you want to do it, whether you want to stay in Southampton and then travel up on the day of the game, the, the congestion of the, the fixture means that you probably have to travel the night of the game into London and then you're up all night. That's just, that's just what you have to do. But unfortunately, or you have the, the eliminator at Lords and, you go down that route where you have a, a game the day before and then the final the next day, both at the home of cricket. But to take the, the final away from Lords, I'm not sure Simon Cattage would take a big final away from the MCG in in, in Australia. I think you that, that's unfortunate the way the fixture the, the way the fixture has been uh, has been decided. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll look ahead uh, to this week's series decider, finally, between England and South Africa. Uh, But next up, we'll speak live to Trent Rockets head coach, Andy Flower. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast. And I'm delighted to say, as promised, and right on cue, Andy Flower, the uh, Trent Rockets coach, joins us live uh, to reflect on another highly, highly successful campaign. Don't get more successful than winning the competition. And uh, much talk about the Andy Flower blueprint, which is fairly simple, really. You just have eight all-rounders. <laughs> Congratulations, Andrew. Thank you, Manners. Very good to be on. Nice to see you and Harmy. So um, there's obviously more to the Andy Flower blueprint than, uh, than having eight bowling options and batting down to number 10, but that's a very good start. Well, I mean, we know the value of all-rounders in any uh, format of the game, don't we? But it isn't as simple as that, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Just from my experience of doing franchise cricket over the last three years, each team sort of takes on its own character. And of course, one of the most important things about the the sort of franchise game is getting the recruitment as as right as possible. So your initial decisions on on your your strategy going into the draft uh, or the auction are really important. You know, getting the right people in the dressing room getting characters that can handle pressure and obviously and uh, with the right physical skills as well gives you the best chance from the outset um and then there's and then there's obviously like building the team thereafter when you when you do finally get together as a team how do you do that with 
the hundred. There's a, I'm one of the, the sort of knockers of the hundred that I don't believe it fits in with the world. But how do you how do you build the, what you've just you mentioned there when it's it is a different format. It is not. It's not twenty over cricket. It's it's sixteen point four overs. It's a different format. How can you then build that when the only player wants a year? To be honest, I don't think it's a million miles off T20 cricket. I think the the biggest difference that I notice, other than than the the crowd that's watching it, which I think is brilliant. I, I it's lovely to see so many families, so many women, so many uh, children at inside the stadiums and I think the new rules have actually allowed a different demographic to get interested in the game which is brilliant for the for the game countrywide but actually on the playing front the the biggest thing I could, the big, biggest difference I see is that the end of the over or the end of the set comes around really quickly so the sort of accelerated uh, feel to the game definitely affects decision making within an over and also the importance on getting around um, around the field quickly because of the the sanction towards the end of the 100 balls of having another fielder in the inner circle. That makes it feel a little quicker, I think, for both the players and the audience. Um, so those are, those, those are slight differences, but it's not a million miles away from T20 cricket. Um, so, the, so the sort of cricketing principles and skills are very similar. When you look at sorry, when you look at this year's competition, there's not really been too many games where have been close as what the final was. What's your sort of? I know we've just finished it, but your overriding reflection on how this year's tournament's gone when it comes to the quality point of view? Because that's at the end of the day, whether you, we think it's close to T20 or not, we're looking at higher quality because better players are playing with better players to make our game in this country a lot better. How have you reflected on how the quality's gone this year? Because we haven't really had too many players put under huge amounts of pressure because the games have not been that close. Well, I think, I mean, the, the pressure's there. You'll remember that, that feeling of pressure in any in, in any competitive match. Um, so the pressure's definitely there. Uh, I think the quality of the overseas players this year was probably a little bit better, given that COVID wasn't the COVID restrictions weren't keeping um, as many people away. And uh, I do agree with you that the, that the, the number of close games was, um, was a little down in number. Uh, but, but from being inside the stadium and feeling the atmosphere, I would say it was an unqualified success again. Um, re- really wonderful sort of vibrant feel to to the games within those stadiums. I'm assuming, even though, uh, you know, uh, I'm not a broadcast expert, I'm, I'm assuming that the interest uh, and the product was really, uh, was excellent and, and good for viewership as well. And in terms of um, the science of T20 cricket and the 100 cricket, um, and it, ha- it really has become very much more science than art, hasn't it? All the research, and I know you've always been, um, a big advocate of um, statistical analysis and 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 matchups. Having said all of that, I've known you for a very long time, and I always thought it was 
quite amusing that you um, disguised the the lighter side of yourself, and then people said, "Oh, he's he's very intense. Um, he's very earnest." Um, and I, I've always known that there was a, a a different side to you, but this year it seems that you have consciously been smiling and um, bringing a little <laughs> bit of light um, and trying to trying to uh, I don't know. You have you, you seem to be enjoying yourself this year. <laughs> I, I must say I do. I giggle at the perception of me as being um, so serious. I mean, it is a it, it's a it, it is a reasonably serious business after all. But I, I think the perception of me probably stems from some of the media stuff that came out when I was England coach, and certainly when I when I just finished as England England coach. And I think in reality, I probably was a much more intense coach then. I was a young coach as well. I was in my yeah, I was sort of 40 years old or 41 years old when I started being taking over the reins at England. Um, and I've learned a lot. And part of that sort of learning journey was learning about myself and my effect on other people. And I've been, as I've become more experienced and hopefully a little more self-aware, uh, I hope I've become a better coach. And, and some of that would be around relaxing around the, the group, helping them relax, getting the balance right between hard work and, uh, and thinking about the game, but also uh, cutting people slack, being more empathetic with people's foibles, of which I personally have many, as you know. Uh, so, you know, we, we'd all hope to carry on developing as people and practitioners through, through our careers, and I'm no different in that regard. So hopefully that path continues. Is that, is that the most important thing when it comes to from setting an environment? Having an environment that, especially in the shortest format, that if you set a good environment, it gives a chance for players have all got talent. But if you've got a good environment, you can make it easier for players to sort of, you know, fulfil their skills out on the field. And is that important in the shortest format? And is that the most important thing you've got to get right when you go into different dressing rooms around the world as a coach and a leader? Without a doubt, Harmi. I mean, the, the first important thing to do is get the right sort of squad together. So that's a playing squad and a, a support staff. Um, thereafter, I think it's incumbent on the support staff to, to embrace the responsibility of setting the environment. You know, they're usually older more experienced and should be role models for the players uh, and then getting the most out of that playing group by making them feel included, making them feel valued, making them feel as if they have a say in the running of the affairs of the team, which they do over the coming month and encouraging them to embrace the responsibility of making lots of decisions for themselves. You know, they need to feel as if they're, in charge of their own careers and they can, they're free to make decisions and we will back them. We understand that their decisions are not going to be perfect all the time, just like ours won't, wouldn't. Um, so setting that type of environment uh, where they feel uh, strong and empowered to make decisions um, and also having a lot of fun and enjoying each other's company um, and, and, you know, making new friends and connections, that sort of environment is really important to how you enjoy spending them that month of the year together. And, uh, and you want the players at the end of that time together to feel as if they've made some, some really good connections, 
They've given it a full crack. They've had a full go at winning this thing because that's after all why we get employed. But also at the end of it, I'd like them to feel as if they've had a special moment of their lives together. Andrew, do you feel like you're becoming a father all over again with these franchise teams around the world? You've got these little little teams that you, you – you've got another one. You've got another child on the way, haven't you? The Gulf Giants in the UAE <laughs> T20 League. You've uh, – another youngster. There are going to be nine English players in that squad. It's extraordinary, extraordinary concept, isn't it? Of 12 overseas um, players. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about that. As, and also, if you could just mention your first ever captain, Dave Houghton, um, in your first test match, um, now becoming head coach of Zimbabwe again and completely regenerating them. I know the world always embraces a, a strong Zimbabwe that's capable of causing upsets. And for them to beat Australia a couple of days ago in Australia was was extraordinary. So there you go. Two questions. The Gulf Giants, your new child, and um, and Zimbabwe, your old child. Let, let, let me start with Zimbabwe and, and Dave Houghton. It's been it's brilliant to watch the effect that Dave's had on the Zimbabwe side. He's such an experienced operator. Uh, you know, he's coached all around the world and and played all around the world and he's uh, he'll he'd be a steadying influence out there no doubt so that it it was great when he when i heard that he'd taken on the job and it's it's brilliant to watch the results that they're getting to beat australia the way they did um the other day was sensational so that that brings back really great memories and feelings for me and without a doubt, Dad, Dave will be getting uh, tons of satisfaction from that. And uh, it's brilliant for the, the country and the country's cricket. On the Gulf Giants, yes. Um, so <laughs> so that, that's the January tournament, the international uh, T20 tournament in the UAE. And the Adani group has bought uh, a, a franchise um, in that tournament. Um, and uh, I'm really proud that they've asked me to be the head coach. It's a perfect little window for English cricketers, actually. The, there's, o- there's only one England tour on during that time. It's a one-day international tour of South Africa. So, but the, the players outside of that group were ideal to target and be fully available for that, that month-long tournament, which runs, I think, from the 12th of January through to about the 12th of February. So it's perfect timing for English cricketers, county cricketers as well, just sort of in the in the early stages of, of spring, if you like, and leading into the English summer, um, and before they are required by their counties uh, back here for pre-season. And that's why there's a preponderance of English players in that tournament. It should be an excellent tournament. As you say, only two UAE or local players in the 11, and the other nine will all be international cricketers. Um, there's some excellent teams in the in the tournament, a really interesting aspect of it was the sort of fight for players and the fight for quality players between the UAE League and the Cricket South Africa League, which is being played at the same time. So the the agents and the players themselves were certainly happy as the tussle between the two leagues sort of drove prices up. So that that was a really interesting thing to be involved in. But I think in years to come, they will try to separate those dates so that players and coaches can play in, uh, be involved in both and that they aren't fighting for airtime uh, on TV, I would imagine. And yeah, I just want to ask you, obviously, final final thing, and we can't get away from it. Johnny Besto is 
is going to be out of the World Cup. One player that is on everybody's franchise, top of the list, um, because he's not playing international cricket. Where do you see Alex Hills's international future? Does he have one? Because you've seen close, close hand what with England and with the Trent Rockets. He is a special player, but there's something going on because the ECB don't seem to want to pick him. Yeah, we had two outstanding cricketers uh, working with us with uh, Trent Rockets, uh, Hales, and uh, amongst many, actually. But those two, Hales and Milan up front, were key to us doing well in this tournament. Mm. Uh, Milan's in really special form, and I look forward to him watching him in the in the World Cup in Australia. I hope he gets a, a crack at opening the batting in England uh, for England out there. And, yes, with, with Johnny Bairstow's broken leg, that has opened up another spot. Alex Hales is a really outstanding cricketer. He's, uh, he's in good form. He's very dangerous. Bowlers don't like bowling at him. And uh, he has, a, uh, without a doubt, he, he is a strong contender for, for one of those top-order spots. I personally think he's done his time for whatever his transgressions were. You know, we all deserve second chances. And on on purely uh, the selectors, I think should be making those decisions purely on cricketing terms, on cricketing matters. Um, and then it's up to them whether they think he's better than the next guy. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. It's massively appreciated. Congratulations once again on on your success. And um, I'm I'm assuming, I'm hoping for your sake, that you have a couple of weeks off now. Do you? I do. I do. Next thing is the T10 draft, actually, out in Dubai. Um, so it's it's nice to have have a little time to see the firm. Enjoy it. So, and uh, many thanks for your time once again. Thanks, guys. Nice to see you. That was Andy Flower, Trent Rockets head coach, amongst uh, several other teams. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Let's look ahead to the Oval then. The third Test match finally gets underway. It was a scheduled nine-day break. South Africa didn't have a single fixture and didn't play much cricket, and in fact uh, spent the first week getting away from cricket. That nine-day break became an 11-day break, of course, because they were beaten in three days in the second Test match. Uh, so um, they they have limited their preparation to the three days, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, before Thursday's Test match. Um, as for England, um, I guess uh, they've all been busy doing something, one thing or another. Johnny Bairstow, of course, out of the Test match, uh, as we've mentioned already. Ben Duckett added to the squad. Um, but surely uh, Harry Brook, uh, well, uh, Harry Brook steps into, into Bairstow's place probably straight in at number five, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, yeah, I think he's been touted of playing all summer. He's been desperate to play all summer because the form he's in and and the one time he does get a, a sniff and a chance, and it looks like it is going to be his chance to make his debut at, at the Oval, um, he didn't play a great deal of cricket going into it. So it, he is, I think, from the county scene, undoubtedly being the best player in the country in the in the red ball format of, of games, especially in the middle order. I think there's one or two opening batsmen um, who, have had, who have had good summers, but in the middle order position, I think Harry Brook is is the man that undoubtedly comes in. Um, and good luck to him because, yeah, I have big shoes to fill in, in Johnny Besto. It's been nine days, 11 days, you say, since the, the, the debacle for South Africa at, at Old Trafford. Sometimes it is good to get away from the game on tour if you can, and it depends on how and and what these, you know, the players from South Africa's interests are because 11 days could be a long time just sitting in your room. If you're a... 
get out there and play golf, or you you get a chance to see the site, this this sort of the sights of London, because they'll have been in London for quite a bit, then you could potentially get away and get your a reset mentally and refresh the mind to go again, which will be a, undoubtedly a, a difficult test when it comes to to the Oval. But for me, Brook players, I'll be interested to see how. South Africa line up, whether they go and strengthen in that middle order and bring Moulder in with Janssen and only play one spinner. Um, that would probably be the way I would go um, because they looked four down, all out in at, uh, at Old Trafford. It was literally, they had five batsmen, a keeper who, not bad, but not great with a bat, and then five out-and-out bowlers. I think they need a, they need a little bit of... Um, a little bit more solidness in that middle order and that lower middle order to hopefully get a, a total that will, you know, will give England some some headaches. Quality was the word you were looking for there, Harmy. Yeah, quality, they needed yeah. a bit more quality in the middle order. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. if you don't have it, you don't have it. But um, we'll come back to that in just a second. I really want to address this issue of the MCC calling on the ICC to speed up test match cricket because fines aren't working. We lose lots and lots of time, um, lots of overs that, that you know effectively people have paid to watch. Um, and there are a whole bunch of recommendations. So well, they're suggesting, and it's it's not, you know, the MCC, in my opinion, have always been extremely constructive. They, it's, it's not meant to be a criticism. These are constructive suggestions, and they always trial everything before introducing anything. But they're saying, how about we have a 45-second clock between overs? You're on the clock. You've got to start the next over 45 seconds um, after that. was just one of the, the the suggestions, but they timed everything in England's recent test series against New Zealand. They timed everything. Um, you know, 20 minutes lost in the day, changing ends. Four minutes lost to reviews, speed up that process, DRS reviews. Three, three minutes per day lost to checking the ball, you know, ball moaning from, from the fast bowlers mostly. Um, all of these little things, they all add up and... You know, the MCC is saying, let's take a constructive, scientific look at how Test Match Cricket is played and speed things up. How would you feel about being on a 45-second clock to get the next over started? Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think that's, that's the right thing to do. How long does it take you to walk from fine leg? And some of them don't even walk from fine leg. Jimmy walks and Brody walks from mid-on, mid-off. They don't go down to that far. I think the, the over should be bold. You've got floodlights. Uh, will it become tactical? Why do we have to finish at 6.30? They'll speed up if they're still on the field at half seven at night. No doubt whatsoever. Keep them out there. You know, it's not fair. And that will get the umpires into the game as well. Because the umpires will not want to stand out there for, for an extra hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, come on, get on with the game. You know, that's, that would be the biggest thing that the umpires would be saying. Get on with the game. The DRS one, I don't think you can do anything. With, if you want DRS, you've got to take, it takes time. That's technology. It, there's not much you, I don't think you can do while Hawkeye builds up and why all these things that go. So from that point of view, you can, if you want DRS in the game and you want the right decision, unfortunately you have to take the hit with that little bit of time. 45 seconds to get between overs. I don't have a problem with that. The ball, they say it's been a bad year for the balls. Hopefully that will not be the case next year. But umpires have got an obligation here to fast, to make the game go and fast forward if they want to. And I think if the if the if the thought the players have to be on the field for the whole day, ninety overs, and you've got to get them in, then that's it. Take time off tea. Take time off lunch. Players will then hurry up. I sound like an old 
old funny dotty here, but the, the overs should be bowled. That should be a given. If you're paying £120 a ticket to get into Lords, you should be seeing 90 overs unless it rains. They've got floodlights. Keep them out there till half seven at night if need be, and then the game will quicken up. But I think the, old, the, the umpires have got a duty bound as well to speed the game up and you know really put pressure on the players to get on with the game. And I think if they do that, then everybody will obviously will be happy because TV companies will, won't want to go into their next cycle. So they'll be putting pressure on to make sure the game's finished by a certain time. And obviously the umpires don't want to be out there for the you know for seven hours as opposed to six hours. So it is something that I think needs addressing. I don't think there's an easy fix on it, but I think the umpires could be the ones that get the game going quicker by telling them telling the players, no, you can't have a drink. No, you can't have You've just had lunch. Can't change your gloves. Get on with the game. And 45 overs between time might just speed things up. That MCC report did point out, by the way, that when Rory Burns was bowled by Mitchell Stark with the first ball of the Ashes, uh, so with one ball into the series and three men in Lumo vests have run on with drinks uh, (laughs) after one ball. (laughs) So that's one thing that they can address as well. You know, you you don't run on with drinks every single break in play because it does... Um, slow things down. James Franklin leaving Durham. Paul Farbrace, oh, that was after four years at the county. Paul Farbrace leaves Warwickshire, of course. We've known that for a, a little while now. Uh, Tim David has uh, finally been called up by Australia to the T20 World Cup squad. And I wanted to, to um, talk about Colin de Grandarm here. Every week, Kami, we talk about players um, retiring or you know, stepping aside from international cricket, I guess that is retiring, in order to focus on domestic T20 leagues. And I love the way New Zealand cricket once again have come to the fore here. Um, they, the way they handled Trent Bolt's decision not to have a national contract, I thought was brilliant. So much the rest of the world could learn from that. And then Colin de Granholm, they say, isn't always the sharpest. Um, he's then signed for the big either with the ball or without the ball. <laughs> he's very sharp with the bat in hand. But he's signed for the Big Bash as a nationally contracted player. New Zealand cricket could have thrown the book at him there. They could have come out and said, we're not giving him an NOC. He's in breach of contract and been really... Uh, but instead of which, they sort of went, uh, Colin, could we have a word? And then the next day, he's retired from international cricket. And it's brilliant. And New Zealand cricket said, uh, Colin realises that he may have got things uh, upside down a little bit there. Um, (laughs) But he didn't do things in quite the right order. I just love it. New Zealand cricket, the way they handle these issues, you know, the rest of the world could really learn something. Yeah, 100% they could learn something. And yeah, fantastic player, got a great career. And, yeah, I have that problem with my mouth. My mouth is three seconds quicker than my brain. And when I've had a drink, it's probably five seconds quicker <laughs> than my brain sometimes. <laughs> On this instance, oh, he just got it the wrong way around. He was going to retire. He was going to sign for the big bash. Unfortunately, the kick and eat net part just didn't come in the right order. So, yeah, good on Colin de Grandhomme and also good on New Zealand because they could have made a big fuss of it. I can think of one or two boards, especially in sort of subcontinent, which would have would have really made a, a, a song and dance and a fuss of this. At the end of the day, he's retired. He's been a good servant. Um, and he now goes on to something new and something different. So, you know, good for him. Just a couple of minutes left, uh, Harmy. Earlier, I mentioned James Franklin uh, leaving Durham at the end of the season after four years at the county. Um, I'm assuming that uh, is just the, the natural passage of time. But uh, he's, I mean, he, he's done a good job, hasn't he, James, as uh, director yeah, he of cricket? 
He has, he has. He's done a, an excellent job, I think, um, when you look at it. He came in, Durham were on the bottom to their backsides. They literally had nothing. You know, we, we were going out of business. Did we have a club when Marcus North came in with him bossed up? James Franklin came in as coach. We had five England players leave and go away. I know Sto- I mean, Borthwick came back. Um, so I think James Franklin can be proud. I mean, whether the members see that, I'm not so sure. But if you look at Stokes is away with England, Woods away with England and injuries, we produced the likes of Cars um, and Potts, you know, real fine. They've been developed by the likes of, uh, of Franklin and Co. Um, I'd love to see Neil Colleen get it. You know, one of me closely people will say, yeah, he's one of your close pals. You're giving him a, a leg up. But Killers produced some fantastic fast bowlers for England. Um, he's been given a chance to coach England on the bowling side. I think he now deserves a chance to be coach of Durham. Durham boy, his roots are are in the club, his heart's in the club. And I think it's a natural progression to have one of our own coach, coach the club. And I would love to see Neil Killeen get it, brought in possibly with an experienced assistant coach um, to go alongside him. Um, and I think Neil Killeen would do a fantastic job for Durham because we are still bottom rung when it comes to something from a financial point of view. But we are producing players under 19. have got two or three very good players from Durham in their side. Um, and I think we are still developing players. And I think because of that, I think Neil Clean will be in, be an absolute uh, shoe-in for the job, in, in my opinion. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app. Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And we'll be back next week to look at the third test match between England and South Africa. But for now, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.